Man, God's children. What an amazing promise. Um, on days like today, whether it be rainy and gloomy for you or just because it's an off day like it was for me, man, God's children. What a promise. What a promise. And so that's what we get to celebrate tonight. Um, if you guys are, if this is your first time or if, you're, uh, or if you just don't remember me, my name is Matt and I'm the campus minister here at UCC and I'm so excited that you guys are here tonight. What I've been pushing these past couple weeks and trying to, to, to share this mission of what this ministry is, is we're a group of people, a community of people, a family who week in and week out, we want to create this environment, this environment where God can come in and change lives. And so that is our heart's cry. That is our mission. And that's what we've been trying to do um, for years and years and years. But especially this semester, we've been pushing that really hard. And so when you come across the street, if you walk here from the dorms or if you park your cars here, whatever it may be, our heart's desire is that when you walk into this place, you just the atmosphere changes. The atmosphere changes. Not because it's hot and muggy in here, but because like something good is happening in this place. We want this to be an oasis for you. We want this to be a place where, look, we're only going to be here for an hour, even less than that now. And when this is over, our bills, our drama, our whatever it is, it's still going to be there. So for this hour, we get to put it away. And that is just such a special promise. And so I hope you guys can Really catch your breath in this place and let just this, this be a different environment for you. And so we talk about these different environments that Aggies for Christ is really um, big on. And one of those, and I've pushed these really hard the past couple of weeks too, is small groups. Small groups um, used to be called Bible studies. That's, I guess, what we could call it. It's where you get into smaller groups of people. We break up guys and girls and we meet different times throughout the week where we make this big old room feel a whole lot smaller. And we, we, we get together and we do have a short Bible study that we do, but we talk. And we hang out, and we, and, and we become real family. So that's one of the environments that we really believe in. A lot of you have signed up. Don't forget, those start next week. We have over 75 people that have signed up for their small groups, and that is absolutely amazing. And so we really want to make sure that people are going to those next week. Um, leaders, text your group, and that those are going to get started um, starting Monday. Another environment that I really want to tell you guys about, this is, man, the, probably the environment that means the most to me out of this ministry, and that's coming up, um, not this weekend, but next, and that is the annual fall retreat. And so I have a couple pictures I want to show you guys of the fall retreat that we do. Um, we go to a place called Pine Springs Summer Camp. Um, we go Friday through Sunday, kind of. We, we come back Sunday morning. We're here before 1030 on Sunday mornings, and it's an amazing weekend. You want to talk about Oasis? You want to talk about getting away from the world? It looks like this. It looks like this. We go up to this great camp called Pine Springs that's just outside of Cloudcroft. It's a couple hours away. And, and we play games and we have great worship. And our main preaching minister, Charlton Taylor, is going to be bringing our, our, our messages for us this weekend. And, but also, we just have time to do nothing. We, do, we, we take naps and we... And we um, and we take time to do, to do study breaks or whatever you need to do on your free time up there. You're in the mountains. And, and it's just a beautiful way to come together as a community and as a family and to get in the cool mountain air. I promise, it's the best $40 you'll spend this semester. It's the best $40 you'll spend this semester. And if money really is an issue, we have a couple scholarships available that some of the older members from our church want to give you guys. So if that's what's keeping you from going, don't. And also, I've done all the research. The Pan American Center has no concerts Friday or Saturday night. Um, the Aggies will be in Lexington, Kentucky playing football that night, so y'all probably aren't going to that game either. And, uh, 
And there's already been 62 people in this room that have signed up for that. And so I don't want you to be the one to get left behind that weekend because um, we believe in this weekend. We push it really hard. As a ministry, we lose a lot of money doing it every semester, but we love it so much. And we really believe that it's such a good thing to do. So if you guys want to sign up for that, we have the opportunity to do that after AFC tonight. I hate doing announcements. I'm so sorry. So before we get into the message tonight, I need you guys to pray with me and for the sermon tonight. Dearly Father, we love you and we praise you and we're thankful for an oasis like this. God, it might not feel like much, but just to get away from the world and the stress and the drama and the things that aren't going our way, um, to come into a group of, um, of your children, it feels good. And so tonight, not only do we want to be in a community with ourselves, but we want you to be in the room as well. And so, God, we welcome you into this place. I pray that you will shape and soften hearts tonight, that everything you want them to hear will fall on soft, open hearts, and anything else falls flat to the floor. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for your son. We're on the cross. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah, I I hate doing announcements, but I believe in retreat so much, so really go sign up for that afterwards tonight. All right, tonight we are in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there now. Last week I introduced who Luke was, and instead of calling him Luke, I called him Dr. Luke. That's how we introduced this man, because it's a much more accurate way to describe who he is. Luke was actually a medical doctor. You might know him as the guy that wrote the third book of the New Testament, the third gospel, but, but he was a doctor first. That's what he did. And so we talked a lot about this guy last week and some of his different characteristics. So I'm not going to go f- too far into it, but a couple things we think we know about Luke Dr. Luke, is that he probably wasn't a Jew, which means he probably wasn't raised in the church. He didn't have to believe any of this stuff that was going around. And he probably had some social status too, just because of the way he writes these letters to his friend Theophilus. We know that he probably had some social status about him. So we know that his life has some things going for him. He has a career. He has some status. He has some people that will listen to him in the letters. And so tonight I want to look, tonight and for the rest of the semester, I want to look at some stories that are in his gospel, that are what he wrote, that are only in his gospel, because I think it's important. What we talked about Luke was, was a guy that very much related to us. Because all of us came to New Mexico State for other things than being an apostle or or a missionary. We came here for other things. But at the same point in time, even though Luke was a doctor, his mission was far greater than just the medical field. His mission ended up being Jesus and making his name famous throughout the world. And so that's what Luke did. And so we're going to look at some stories that are different from, from, from the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. And so one of those stories that we're going to talk about tonight is one that you've probably all heard before, and that is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. I know you're just like, dang it, I came to church for a story I already know about. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Let's just, let's dive in together today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If not, don't worry, the same exact words are on the screen. Verse 25. And behold... A lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, this is the lawyer, he said, Well, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this, 
and you will live. I've had this particular Bible, this one right here, for about five years now. And I remember when I got this Bible, it was just when I was getting really plugged in with this group right here, with Aggies for Christ. I got about five years ago, just when I was getting plugged in. I was, I, was, um, I, I was a young believer, and I was thirsty for the Word. I wanted to know everything. I bought like three Bibles at the same time, but this is one of them. And at the same point in time, at the same point in time of going through these different Bibles, I also remember something that was happening to me. I was getting so confused by this Christianity thing. I could not understand why there were Lutheran churches and Methodist churches and Baptist churches and Church of Christ and all these different ways of singing and all these different ways of reading the Bible. Uh, how you're supposed to do quiet times confused me. I didn't know if you were supposed to post the Instagram picture before or after you drank your caramel latte. I was confused. I was confused. There's a lot that goes into this. And, and, I, and when I was studying this a couple weeks ago, I looked at this note that I wrote. And man, I was not very smart as a sophomore in college, but I did know this. Can you go to the next picture? Right here to the left, I wrote the word simplify. Simplify. <coughs> you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe I didn't know what I was doing when I was writing that, but it was pretty prophetic for me this past week when I was studying this. Because if you, before I preach one more word this semester, I have got to talk to those of you in the room who were just like me during that period of time. Man, look at all these different types of churches. There's six different Christian campus ministries that you can go to. There's a hundred different Instagram accounts you can follow for the verse of the day. Like, what's the real verse of the day? I get it. I, I know this is hard, but what I want to tell you guys tonight is that if the lawyer would have stopped right here, if the lawyer would have stopped right here and, and not said another word to Jesus, that would have been enough. And while I don't want you to tune me out for the rest of the night, if you want to stop right here, this would be absolutely enough. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's beautiful. Simple is beautiful but it wasn't enough for the lawyer. So we continue. Verse 29, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You gotta imagine Jesus probably hates self-justification, but that's all right. Jesus replied, a man was going down from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and we'll talk about why Samaritan was important in a minute. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So this is Jesus talking to the lawyer again. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer's response, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The next slide is a picture of a guy named Henry Nouwen. Uh, Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a renowned um, Dutch author, 
respected professor, um, beloved pastor. Um, he was probably most no, um, notably known for his, for his writings. He wrote over 40 books on the spiritual life, and today, even though he's died, his books are still selling, he sold about two million copies. Um, he was a real big slouch in where he taught divinity at. He taught at um, Notre Dame, Harvard, and Yale. Those were the three teaching profess um, professions that he had. This was a man who, whose, whose life, whose brain, whose writings was dedicated to knowing and understanding the person of Jesus, knowing and understanding God. And the way that he wrote, the way that he spoke made him a celebrity of the faith. It really, really did. But Henry lived a life in his later years that truly encompassed everything that we want to talk about tonight. He truly encompassed the Good Samaritan, not because of his writing or teaching or because he would be one of the famous guys in the faith today, but it's because at the height of Henry's career, when he was teaching divinity at Harvard, he decided to make a big, big difference in his life, and he moved to this place called the Arch Daybreak in, Tor in Toronto, Canada. And what Daybreak community was in, Tor in Toronto was a place for highly, highly developmentally disabled individuals where they lived, and they had to have live-in caretakers. So Henry packs up his office at Harvard, and he moves to this place with mentally disabled individuals to start changing them and feeding them and living life with them for the rest of his life. He does that. Here's a man who's, he's reached the pinnacle, right? And we're looking at him and we're like, Henry, what you're doing is good. You're writing all these really great books that, that, these, that these Christian guys want to read and, and everybody's coming to your conferences and, and you're teaching at Harvard, like rake in the money raking the money while you're doing this for God, right? Like you're doing the right thing, this is so good. And it doesn't make sense to us in this Western culture idea that we have, that we have, to, we have to accumulate all these things and accumulate all this money and get this high status. We look at Henry and we're like, what are you doing? And then we hear the words of Jesus when he talks about the Good Samaritan. And we're just like, man, starts to make a little bit of sense. What Henry did starts to make a little bit of sense. He was an agent of mercy. Now, tonight, just like I said last week when I talked about Luke, not everybody's going to be called to do what Henry Nowen did. Not all of you are going to be called to a, to a place like Daybreak was. You're not, you're not all going to be called there. But the story of the Good Samaritan should definitely give us four responses for all Jesus followers. Four responses. And so I want to go into those now. They're on the next slide. The first response, a Jesus follower should see distress. I know that the news is rough. I know that there's a lot to be desensitized to, but a Jesus follower should not be desensitized to distress. We should be able to at least see it. Secondly, a Jesus follower should respond internally with a compassionate heart. Not only should we see hurt, see hurt but when we try to see this world through the, through the lens of God, with, with God goggles on or whatever you want to say, that should give us, that should make our heart turn to, towards compassion. That should give us a compassionate heart. Third, a Jesus follower should respond with practical effort to help relieve the distress. Here's where faith meets action. Here's where faith meets actions. We should respond with action if we have the capabilities to do so. And lastly, a Jesus follower should so, show mercy without regard for who the neighbor is. 
with every passing semester, the goal of this room, the goal of this ministry is to help produce mature followers of Jesus. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that's our aim. We want you guys to know Jesus better. We want you to fall in love with him. And based on who you ask, that might look different for some people. Some people might be more interested in how many books of the Bible you've read or how many verses you've memorized or whatever it might be. That might look different. But at the end of this parable, Jesus asks this man, well, who do you think was the neighbor? Who do you think was the one who's going to inherit the kingdom of God? Who, Who was that one who acted rightly? And the lawyer responds that the most mature among them was the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. The priest and the Levite were far more concerned with who the guy was that they were going to help. They were concerned with his social status, the fact that he was just a regular old Jew. The priest is like, yeah, that's not another priest. I don't have time to help him. The Levite was, he's not part of my tribe. He's not part of the tribe of Levi. I'm not going to help him. But here's a Samaritan. And the amazing thing about this story that Jesus tells is that in this period of time, there is not a more culturally just violent retraction of two different people than Samaritans and Jews. It makes no sense for a Samaritan to go up to a Jew. He would be more happy to kick them when he was down. That's what a Samaritan would have done. But in this story, the Samaritan, he goes and he helps, and that's the neighbor. That's the neighbor, the guy who shouldn't have even been walking up to him. So on our next slide, we have a a sermon point that says, it's not about who your neighbor is. It's about who you are. That's what the Samaritan answered. It wasn't about it being a, a Jew on the ground. It was about who he was as a person. It's about who we are tonight. If we left this room tonight with a desire to be a people of mercy, to help those who can never pay us back, we would be far more mature than if we spent the whole hour tonight memorizing scripture. If we left this room tonight as a people that wanted to go help people that couldn't pay us back, we would be far more mature, regardless of who the neighbor was. The challenging call of a Christian is simply this, that everybody is your neighbor. (laughs) That's challenging. But everybody is your neighbor. I used to coach high school basketball at a um, small Christian school here in town, and there was this kid, anyways, two years ago we won state. Two years ago we won state, and it was great, and so now I have all these plaques and pictures and medals and stuff in my office. I was just the JV coach. It wasn't that big of a deal for me, but I mean, like, I got all these pictures of our teams up on the wall, right? And so um, the other day I had this guy in my office, and he's an older gentleman that goes to our church, and he was looking at one of the kids on my team, and he says, hey, I know that kid. And he was just having a point to the most goofy kid you guys will ever meet ever in your life. That whole row of players back there just said, what's the name? Hunter. That's it. (laughs) He is the goofiest kid you'll ever meet in your life, right? Um, He is just cocky, but he has a joy for life, and he's fun to talk trash to or whatever. But, uh, but anyways, this guy points him out, and he says, oh, you know, you know Hunter also? And I was like, yeah, I know, I know Hunter. So we laugh, we tell stories, and he says, you know what? One thing I saw the other day, though, this is the guy telling me. He said, I saw a car da- going down university the other day that pulled over and turned their flashers on. And it was kind of weird because it wasn't at a stoplight, and the car didn't look like it was in trouble or anything like that. And he said, and a young kid got out of the car. And he, went over to the, and he went over to a homeless man on the side of university and he gave him some money out of his wallet. And he said, dude, that was Hunter who did that. 
coached this kid a lot. I've seen him score a lot of buckets. We've won a lot of ball games together. But never has my heart swelled with more pride than when I heard about Hunter, who's a kid in high school. You know you didn't have money in high school. And he got out and he gave some money to a homeless guy. Man, I'm so proud of that kid because he is, here's a young man that's going to mature into a godly man because he's an agent of mercy. That homeless guy is never going to be able to pay back Hunter. I don't even know how much he gave him. I don't know very many more details to the story. But Hunter is an advocate for mercy. And that is going to make him a mature man of God. And so tonight, I want to leave you with the challenge. Now, as a minister, you're going to expect challenges from me that are along the lines of behavior control and scripture memorization, right? Like if, look, I'm not going to lie. Friday night, if I get on social media and people in this room are just going buck wild at the bar, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a little bit. Um, if, I, uh, if I had to be honest, I would love if you guys memorized as much scripture as you possibly could and you read the Bible every single night and you were having these great quiet times. Like, yeah, I would love that. But the challenge tonight is not about behavior control or about the, the acquisition of biblical knowledge. The challenge tonight that would make this room far, far more mature followers of Christ is if we were agents of mercy. If we were advocates for mercy. If we went out and every one of us this week helped one person that could never pay us back. That would make this room mature followers of Jesus. That is the heart of God. And so my last point for the sermon tonight is this. The mature among us are going to be the most merciful among us. I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how much you tithe. The mature among us will be the merciful among us. Let's go be those people this week. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, the story of the Good Samaritan, it challenges us because it asks us to tell everybody we see that you're a neighbor. And God, if I'm being honest tonight, there's a lot of people in this world who I don't want to be their neighbor. But you challenge us. You challenge us to be better. You challenge us to love better just like the Samaritan did. And so I'm thankful for that truth tonight. I'm thankful that, there's love, that people have loved me when I was down. And I pray for that, that in this room tonight, despite the, the number of Bible verses that we have memorized, God, and despite the, the, the Hillsong songs that we have memorized, God, I just pray that tonight that, we, that this room would become agents of mercy, and that this week we would go out and be people that would help people that could never pay us back, just like your son did on the cross for us. And we ask all these things in your son's most precious name. Amen. Hey, tonight, if... Um, if none of these characters resonated with you, if you're like, no, I'm not the Levite, the Samaritan, or the priest. I'm the guy that got the tar kicked out on me on the side of the road. <laughs> if that's you and you need somebody to pray with tonight, um, myself and my wife and the interns will be in the back um, ready to pray with anybody that's feeling that way tonight. So feel free to take advantage of that. Um, but let's stand and worship for these last two songs.